When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. Bitcoin's been around for 12 years. It's a teenager that's still growing up. Human beings have valued gold for millennia, and gold has held its wealth through every crisis that human beings have gone through over that time period. G'day, and welcome to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Jordan Alessio, from the Perth Mint. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on the show. Jordan is the Manager, Listed Products and Investment Research at Gold Corporation, the Perth Mint. And today we're talking about money as a store of wealth. So tell us about money. How is um, the fiat currency working out at the moment? Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough year, or it's been a tough a tough period of time, I suppose, for people with with money in the bank. You know, fiat currency that's that's in a cash account or or a term deposit. Obviously, it's you know early two thousand and twenty one, and you know cash rates are effectively zero point one percent negative once you you sort of factor inflation in. Uh, and I think it's been a, a a huge change for investors to to grapple with for for the vast majority of you know the last 30, 40, 50 years. People have been able to sort of park their cash in the bank and earn, you know, if not necessarily huge rates of return, they've at least been able to, you know, earn more than than what inflation was. So you sort of felt safe with your money in in the bank. Now, I think people still feel safe in the sense that, you know, the bank's not going to go belly up and run off with the money, but the actual purchasing power of it is now just declining, you know, at a at a fairly consistent rate. Um, and that's causing investors to to look for alternative assets and alternative you know stores of, of wealth, and, and obviously gold is is benefiting from that. And the same thing holds for bonds, doesn't it? Um, where people would traditionally increase the amount of bonds in their holdings the closer they got to retirement because they wanted to get some income, but bonds is not working out either, is it? Well, it's funny. In the short term, bonds have worked out well because as yields have come down, that means the prices have gone up. But of course, that's kind of only valuable if you then sell the bonds and rotate into another asset class. And so now you're back to square one in terms of, okay, what do I do with the money now that I've sold? So you're absolutely right. You know, For, for the majority of the last 30, 40 years, bonds have been an almost can't lose investment. But if you're actually buying them today or holding them today and you plan on holding them until they mature... Um, you know, pretty much all across the developed world now, most government bonds of all maturities are paying, you know, or will yield less than the rate of inflation. So it's a huge problem for not just, you know, I suppose mum and dad investors, SMSF trustees and the like, 
but you know, pension funds, insurance companies, you name it, that, that traditionally allocate to these assets, the returns, it's almost mathematically impossible for them to be there as they have been for the last 20, 30 years. So what role has gold got in this scenario? Well, look, I think gold plays a, a few roles. It's obviously well-trusted, well-regarded as a kind of long-term safe haven asset and a stable store of wealth over the long run. Short term's a little different. But you know, gold essentially, it provides a hedge against two market outcomes for investors. The first of those, obviously, is if inflation gets worse, right, and it picks up, maybe goes back to 3 4% per annum, then you know, gold has historically outperformed whenever inflation rises. So you know, if, if history repeats or rhymes, you'd like to think your gold is going to increase it in value and, and hold its purchasing power. The other option, which is you know, particularly relevant now given how expensive you know, equity markets are, is that we have another, you know, whether it's a GFC, COVID, you know, NASDAQ crash style sell-off in equities where you know, markets fall 30 40 50%. Again, you sort of say, well, what asset would do well in that environment? And historically, gold has been the, the strongest performer whenever equity markets sell off. So there are a hundred reasons why you might get a bad outcome in financial markets, whether that be higher inflation or, or falling asset prices. Irrespective of what the reason is, market history has sort of told us that gold has been one of, if not the best asset classes to sort of hedge against that outcome. So that is, that's the primary reason investors allocate to gold. But it is worth saying that, and, and worth pointing out that gold can actually also be a profitable investment in its own right. So if you look at you know the last fifty years, you know up until nineteen seventy one, gold and money were essentially you know one and the same. Money was redeemable in gold, right? Since nineteen seventy one, that's no longer been the case, and, and gold is now just a sort of a free floating asset that people can invest in if they want to. Over that entire time period, the price of gold has risen by roughly nine percent per annum. So it's outperformed cash, it's outperformed most bonds, it's matched or outperformed most properties and matched and almost done as well as equities have, right? Now, for the last 50 years, we haven't been going through a crisis every single year. So gold, it's not like it can only thrive in times of crisis, if that makes sense. It can actually just be a profitable investment that helps balance a portfolio and, and people can make money with. So is Bitcoin going to ever replace gold? <laughs> <laughs> It's a question I get a lot. I get this question more often whenever the Bitcoin price goes up. Um, look, yeah, it's definitely the barbecue topic it, of, uh, it, it, at the it, moment, it, isn't it? It is right. It is right now. And 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 fair enough. You know, you've got to give credit to those that believe in Bitcoin or or that have been long Bitcoin. They have done fabulously well. I'm happy. I own a little bit in my own portfolio. But it's still important to remember there are so many differences between gold and Bitcoin. So first and foremost, there's just the track record, right? Bitcoin's been around for 12 years. It's a teenager that's still growing up. Human beings have valued gold for millennia. And gold has held its wealth through every crisis that human beings have gone through over that time period. In the 12 years since Bitcoin's existed, we've barely had a crisis, right? And indeed, you know, you'd say Q1 last year with COVID, markets sold off. That was a crisis. Bitcoin actually sold off very aggressively in that period as well, although it's obviously bounced back since. So it's kind of untested as a safe haven asset, which is no fault of Bitcoin. It's just we haven't gone through an environment where it's really needed to sort of survive a test, as it were. It's also far less liquid, the sort of governance and the sort of environment in which it operates in terms of Bitcoin exchanges and the like is far less developed, far less regulated. So there's kind of risk in and of itself there. But look, I can understand why people would speculate in Bitcoin. 
I think it also matters though who you are and at what stage of life you're in. So particularly if I think of the, you know, the audience of the ASA, you know, most people that are members of the ASA, they've built substantial portions of wealth that they now need to and want to protect for themselves and probably ideally to leave to their kids and, and grandkids. That's a very different position to be in than being 20 years old with only $500 in the bank. You know, if you put your $500 in Bitcoin and it crashes to zero, two years from now, you won't even remember it, you know, when you're 22. You know, if you're 75 years old and you park 10, 20% of your retirement portfolio in Bitcoin and it crashes, you're never making that money back again and you can't enjoy it, you can't leave it to the next generation. So it's a fundamentally different investment, you know, for people to, to sort of wrap their heads around. And so that's a very long way of saying, no, I don't think it's replacing gold, but I can understand the enthusiasm. Many commentators are forecasting an increase in inflation over the next couple of years. Where does gold have its place in that situation? Yeah, so I think if you look at gold's historical track record, whenever inflation rates pick up, it's very, very, very good. So, um, you know, there was a study done some time ago, uh, a couple of years ago, that looked at the performance of gold in years where inflation rates are 3% or higher and the performance of gold in, in environments where inflation is 3% or lower. And what you found is that the average return of gold was about 15% per annum when inflation was, say, 3% or more. So historically, it's been one of, if not the best performing assets when inflation rises. And that's obviously one of the factors that is driving investors towards, you know, saying, you know what, I'm going to put some of my money into gold. Obviously, we're in an environment now where central banks and also governments as well this time are deploying really almost like wartime levels of stimulus into the economy. And so the fear is that over time that generates, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, 10% per annum inflation like we saw in the 1970s, but even if it gets to say two and a half, three, four percent per annum, which some people are forecasting over the next few years, you know, that's a problem if the cash rate's at zero, right? You're at negative four if you've got money in a in the bank at that stage. So yeah, that, that's one of the factors driving people towards gold definitely right now. So if people want to invest in gold, there's various ways of doing it. There's um, You can buy mining stocks, you can buy um, physical gold, you can actually have the bullion and you know take it home and put it into a safe. Yep. Or there's gold miners. Tell us about what you, you know, the differences between these various ways of investing in, uh, in gold. Yeah, so the easiest one to kind of, I suppose, separate, as it were, is the kind of gold mining versus gold argument. Now, both asset classes can play a role in a portfolio, and indeed I own both in my own portfolio. But to me, the gold miners belong in the equity part of the portfolio, whereas to me, gold is more in the defensive asset side of the you know, wealth protection side of the portfolio. And the reason for that is pretty clear. Like when you buy a gold mining company or a gold explorer, you're not just exposed to the gold price, you're exposed to a range of other factors. You know, What's the strength of the balance sheet of the company? What are the size of their reserves? How much are they producing in any given year? Are there any environmental or political risks? Are they hedging production? You know, if they're an explorer, are they actually going to find any gold? And even if they do, will it be economical to put a mine into production? So for all of those reasons, there's way more risk factors involved in investing in mining companies. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Which is not to say that they can't be profitable. They very much can be. But it's a very different equation to just gold itself, which is highly liquid, zero credit risk, historical track record about performing, as I say, when inflation picks up or when equities sell off. If we now sort of turn, I suppose, the attention to, okay, if I'm going to buy gold, how do I do that? Yeah, there's three main ways. You buy the physical bars and coins, which you can store at home or in a bank. You know, the advantage of that is obviously you clearly have legal title to the, the physical item. The downside is it tends to be the most expensive way to do it. Plus, you've also then got the logistical issue of moving the gold, storing it yourself or paying for a vault or something like that. Second option is you use something like a depository account, which is something the Perth Mint offers directly to clients. So the best way to think about that is like having a stockbroking account, but to buy gold and silver um, with the Perth Mint, and then we'll also custody it for you. So we'll, we'll do the storage. You just trade with us when you want. So it's more cost effective than doing the bars or coins directly, but there's a separate account management process involved as well. So the third option, which is increasingly the most popular now, is just to buy a gold ETF, which sits on the ASX, and you can just buy and sell it you know, alongside the rest of your shares. And you know, the Perth Mint offers a product like that. The ticker code is PMGOLD, so PM Gold, which stands for Perth Mint Gold. And to give a sense of, I suppose, the growing popularity of that, in 2020, the, the sort of total quantity of gold purchased through that product increased by 70% across the course of the year. So I think the total product size almost doubled because the, the gold price itself also went up. But the number of investors that just bought into that product saw total holdings rise by about 70%. And it makes sense. You know, The biggest growth area has actually been SMSF trustees, the vast majority of whom already have stockbroking accounts. So they've just gone, well, that's the easiest way for me to buy gold in my portfolio or have exposure to gold in my portfolio. And you know, not only is it operationally easier, because as I say, they can just do it by the broking account, for like 99% of investors, it also happens to be the most cost-effective way of doing it. So you know, institutional super funds or hedge funds, like really, really large investors, they will tend to come to us directly. But for the vast majority of self-directed investors that might be managing portfolios of a, you know, from a few hundred thousand to a couple of million, the gold ETF is the easiest way to go about it. And gold itself is a very liquid asset, isn't it? There's never going to be a problem trying to buy or sell gold, is there? No, that's right. So it's it's funny, actually, because one of the misconceptions about gold is that it's difficult to buy and sell and, and maybe a little bit illiquid. And, and I think possibly part of the reason for that is whilst most people don't own gold in their portfolio, nearly everyone owns gold jewellery. So they sort of – they're probably – probably almost think about gold in jewelry terms and they go, I wonder what the markup is. And, you know, whereas gold itself, the asset has some of the lowest trading spreads on the market. So to give you some context around daily liquidity, in any given day, the gold market turns over roughly 100, 150 billion US dollars. That is comfortably 20 times the volume that trades on the entire ASX. So if you're comfortable buying blue chip shares on the ASX because you go, hey, it's easy to buy and sell CBA, Telstra, Woolies, whatever, gold is infinitely more liquid than any of those stocks. One of the best ways actually that people can test this as well, and, and the data is freely available from the ASX, is you can actually download every month the ASX publish a, a spreadsheet that shows the management costs, the turnover, and the trading spreads on every ETF that is listed on the ASX. 
Now, I've presented this in various presentations. If someone was to go and look at that data, you will find that the management fees on the gold ETFs are amongst the cheapest of any asset class and the trading spreads are the cheapest as well. So that is a really indicative, a really clear way for self-directed investors to see actually gold is a really liquid, really low cost investment to, to get into a portfolio. So if I'll give you a specific example, the average cost of an ETF on the ASX, last time I looked at this, which was a couple of months ago, was 51 basis points. PM Gold, which is our product, has it's 0.15. If you think ETFs are known for being low cost investments as a starting point, right, relative to say actively managed funds, well, PM Gold as a gold ETF is less than one third of the cost of the average ETF. So, you know, that just gives you an insight into the fact it's actually a really cost-effective asset class to put into a portfolio. Perth Mint deals in other precious metals apart from gold. Yep. Um, talk to us about silver or platinum. Are they the other main precious metals? Yeah, they are. So, you know, the four main ones, gold, silver, platinum, palladium. From an investment perspective, the vast majority of the money that people put into precious metals tends to go into gold and then silver and then platinum and palladium are kind of... They're rounding errors, really, in, in the context of total sort of investment flows into precious metals. And there's good reasons for that. Um, one, the actual use case for platinum and palladium is far more tilted towards industrial production, industrial uses, whereas gold and silver, in particular gold, are kind of seen as monetary safe havens. And so it's more the investment flow around that that dictates pricing and investor interest. You know, if you were to look at the sort of difference between gold and silver, Silver is substantially more volatile, so when it runs, it tends to run really hard, you know, really fast. So that can be great if you're on the right side of that trade. It can be a bit painful if you're on the, the other side of it. But last but not least, from a portfolio management perspective, as I said to you before, gold is the asset that when, for example, equities sell off, gold is the asset that tends to perform best. So when people are trying to say, okay, I want to build a robust and well-diversified portfolio, the investment case for gold has more sort of, there are kind of like more arrows in the quiver as it were. It's not to say silver can't go up by more, it can and it often does, but from a sort of portfolio management point of view, gold is the clearer asset in terms of the benefit it brings to the overall portfolio and that's why it kind of tends to dominate investment flows when people are looking for precious metals. So for listeners, what's the best way of approaching the Perth Mint and um, having a look at the all of what it has to offer? Yeah, look, there's a few ways. I mean, obviously, if you're already buying shares and you just sort of want to find out more about our listed product, you could just probably type the ticker code PM Gold into your brokerage account and the information will come up there. Obviously, you can come to the Perth Mint website, you know, just perthmint.com. There's a variety of information about our product suite. The, the key area that most investors would want to look at, though, is the Perth Mint depository. That's what we call the area of our business for people that are not just buying gold and silver with us, but we're providing the custody solution as well. So Perth Mint depository, you know, we keep storage of the gold. People just buy and sell with us whenever they want to, which is separate to our what we call our minted product division, which is where people are buying it and we're physically shipping it to them and, and the like. So there's a lot of ways people can can get gold in their portfolio. We're happy to provide the you know all, all the options to investors. And the Perth Mint's been around for a while and it's owned by the WA government, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's right. Sole shareholder is, is the government of Western Australia. Um, it was founded originally in 1899, I believe. So yeah, just over 120 years old now. By far the largest precious metals enterprise in Australia. So I think with any investment, it's important to sort of say, well, you know, who's the counterparty that you're dealing with if you're going to buy into a, an asset class? And so to 
give investors, I suppose, some comfort around the size of the organisation. As I said, it's been around 120 years, owned by the government of Western Australia. Last year, we turned over roughly $25 billion worth of metal. We exported physical precious metal products to over 100 countries, and we custody about $5.5, $5.6 billion worth of gold on behalf of about 60,000, 70,000 clients around the world. So we are a you know, very large, very well-established organisation that specialise in precious metals. And last but not least, which is particularly relevant for people using like our ETF or our depository services, not only are we owned by the government of Western Australia, but we have a unique government guarantee that underpins our liabilities to our depositors. So as a extra kind of safe haven or, or, or fail-safe, I suppose, for investors, you know, we're a very large, very profitable organisation in our own right, if something was to happen to us, then the government of Western Australia is there to, to sort of stand behind our liabilities to our depositors. Well, that's an incredible amount of backup, isn't it? <laughs> when you think about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, look, look, it is. And it's, import, it's important for investors. I, look, I think with any asset class and these kind of things, they sort of, it may sound a little bit silly to say this, but they only matter when they really matter. You know, like you only think about it when it goes wrong in many cases. But part of the due diligence around any investment, I think you want to know who your counterparty is. So if you know that you can buy precious metals through an organization that that has all of those backups, then I think that makes it more likely you're going to want to use them. Just like, you know, if you were investing in a managed fund, you'd want to know, well, okay, who are the people running it? Who's the RE? Who is the custodian? All the the different things that, you know, the, the performance of the asset is one thing. The quality of the structure through which the investment is housed is a very important part of the, you know, the, the investment process as well. Jordan Alicia, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure, Phil. Thanks for having me. The company and or guest has contributed to the costs associated with producing this episode of Equity ASA. Important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn. If you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.